Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? It's estimated over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. To save, visit HealthLock.com today. Welcome to Office Hours, where we sit down with the world's most important chief executives and answer your most pressing questions about leadership, career, and life. I'm Mike Steib, and I am honored today to welcome Mayor Eric Adams, a former New York City police captain, state senator, borough president, and now the 110th mayor of the great city of New York. Mayor Adams. Hey, Mike. How's it going? As someone who's raised two kids and three companies in this wonderful city, I am really excited and proud to be sitting down with the man who runs this town. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Good to be on with you. Mr. Mayor, the format here is a lot like real life office hours. Our listeners have questions for the boss and we answer them. We had a ton of interesting questions for you and Team and I have edited out the ones that should have been 311 calls, and we've really (laughs) focused down on the lessons that you've taken from your time in public service that our listeners can apply to their day-to-day work and career growth. Does it sound good? Are you ready? Yep, yep, yep. Okay, great. We've got up first a question from David in Queens. Question for you, Mr. Mayor. You run the most complex city in the world. Can you talk about how you plan your day and organize your team to stay on top of everything? Thanks, big fan. Well, you know, actually, uh, David just about answered the question. There's a word that was hidden in his question, organize. It's all about organizing yourself. And complexity is really based on disorder. If you put things in an orderly manner or fashion that is trained for your brain, because what's an orderly way for me may not be an orderly way for someone else. Uh, So as a former computer programmer, I started out my professional career programming with Fortran, Assembly, and COBOL. That's hieroglyphics now, but those who are part of the programming universe know they are aware of that. I believe in flowcharts. I believe in structure. I believe in using spreadsheets and graphs. And it allows me to really manage this extremely complex city. The city is not hard, it's volume. 
And so imagine yourself, as I do, to be a fighter a pilot. You fly that instrument, that plane, based on your instrument panels. I have created a bunch of instrument panels. You cannot fly this plane called NYC if you're trying to do it based on memory. I look at my dashboard, my instrument panels, and it tells me everything I need to know. Now, a lot of our listeners may not fully appreciate this, but you have a team of over 300,000 people. You've got an annual budget of over $100 billion. We sit down here with chief executives. It's hard to find a chief executive who has a bigger or more complex organization than the one that you manage. People know you as the politician, but you really you, you lead as the chief executive. CEO, uh, yes, uh, NYC. I'm the CEO of NYC. And you know, I'm glad you stated that because that's the proper analysis we must look at this. Uh, I spoke with a group of business owners at JP Morgan this morning, and you look at their budgets and the number of people that they manage, it comes nowhere near what I have to do every day. But not only are they making widgets that's different for me, I'm making widgets and I have to deal with when the building collapse. I have to deal with when someone is shot, I have to deal with when it's a train derailment. And so it's one thing to run your corporation based on how many widgets you produce. I have to run a corporation based on how many lives I save and how I respond quickly. You know, it's, I'm in the, the pocket like a quarterback. I must look at the entire field, move the ball down the field, even though I was sacked one play earlier. I can't allow that sack to stay in my head. I got to trust my teams around me, stay in the pocket, and stay focused down, downstream. Now, was there, for someone who's earlier in their career and doesn't have an organization the size of yours to support them and that they have to support, is there, a, is there like one trick or tool you recommend? Is it trick out your calendar or use Post-it notes or use Excel? What's the best way to organize yourself if you run a small team or you're an individual contributor? Got to do it in real time. I'm a big uh, Google Doc guy. You know, this way you can monitor things in real time. Uh, and be able to communicate. Uh, but I, it's, I'm a strong believer, uh, you have to work harder than your teammates. You have to give 120% if you expect your team members to give you 100%. So you should be up the earliest, you should uh, be the last one to you know, turn off the lights at night, uh, and then you must be emotionally intelligent. A lot of people like to be academically smart and professionally uh, gifted, but emotional intelligence, is, I think, is one of the most important tools you could have. Understand how your teammates are feeling and understand how you are feeling so that you can be the best that you can be so that you can bring out the best in them. I love it. One of the things I've always found helpful, and my teammates know this, the calendar for me is the operating system. Whenever people tell me like, oh, I don't have time to, you know, I miss my workout every day. I'm like, well, do you miss your 11 o'clock meeting? They said, no. I'm like, it's in your calendar. If you really want to work out, get in your calendar, put it in at 630 and show up on time. It's not once you commit, right? And once you put it in the books, it's not that hard. And that's so important. You know what else, Mike? What we must understand, our brains are hardwired to do nothing. It's a very interesting relationship <laughs> our brain has. Our brain has the capacity to do everything, but it's hardwired to do nothing. The brain wants you to put everything in automatic mode so that you can run, uh, run away from the lions and tigers and bears because that was the primary focus we've had. Right. 
So when we start to say that I'm going to the gym, automatically the brain is going to say, no, you don't want to go to the gym. You have to start out understanding that the brain is wants you to do as little as possible so that you can have everything you need to run away from the lions and tigers and bears. The lions and tigers and bears now are the everything that is going on around us. And we need to understand that I lean into the fact that I push through the no's so I can get to the yeses. Yeah. You know, one of the first famous uh, sayings I heard, in order to live the life you want to live, you have to do the things you didn't want to do. Well, we'll end on that. That's beautiful. Let me go next to Julia, who's in Austin. I hope she's not a New Yorker who moved to Austin, but it's, we got Julia in Austin. At the start of your campaign, the other candidates were leaning hard into defunding the police and zero tolerance COVID policies. You campaigned on a very different set of principles and it worked. How did you know at the time that your plan was going to resonate with voters? And Mr. Mayor, I love this question because Michael Porter says strategy is about deliberately choosing to be different. Mm. Would you would you define your your campaign that way, or you know how might you how might you respond to that question? Well, I, I don't I don't know if, why people consider them different. I'm just a bald head, earring wearing, you know, enjoy the nightlife uh, mayor. So I don't find I think every man in the, in the country is bald head and wear earring and go out and support their nightlife industry. So I don't think I'm different. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that's you just a do great, it better. <laughs> that's a great question. The secret to my sauce was that I understood that the decision was going to be made by people on social security and not social media. I say that over and over again. When you stay in contact with the people who are everyday people, hardworking, uh, blue collar workers, and when I say blue collar, hardworking, I'm not only talking about the person who's the auto mechanic, I'm talking about the person uh, who is a finance person or an accountant. It's about just working hard. And I was listening to those hardworking people, and I knew that public safety meant everything. So when others were saying defund the police, I was saying give the police the support they deserve to keep our city safe because the prerequisite to our prosperity is public safety. And I, I believe that and every day New Yorkers believe that as well. Well, it really felt like at one point during the campaign as a New Yorker, there were a lot of candidates who were selling something that just a lot of the, a lot of the voters weren't buying. And I think that's why your message resonated so well. And you know, for people who work on the corporate side, it's it's a lesson. You've got to you've got to listen. I think you listened to your constituents. Obviously, it's gone a long way. And you have to stay among them. You know, uh, you can't be a good shepherd if you don't smell like a sheep. If you know, if you're never among the sheep, how are you going to fully understand uh, what they are feeling? And it's far too many uh, elected officials and, and political leaders and corporate leaders. Like, how often does a CEO actually go out to their fast food chain to see if people are saying good morning? How could I help you? How often uh, does a person go out to their store or their shop or their or their place where the actual product is being distributed? How often do they go to uh, the tax firm if they are a tax service to see how is that person treated? You, if you don't inspect what you expect, your product will always be suspect. Amen to that. And I and our listeners know I'm a, I'm a New Yorker. I've been a New Yorker for over 20 years. And I can, I can vouch for the sauce on this. I've 
I've been out having a good time and Mayor Adams, I've seen you out having a good time too. It really makes it makes it feel real. It makes it feel real like when you're when your mayor is 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 consuming the city the way the rest of us do. Because this is a this is a 24-hour, seven day a week city, not a nine to five city. And so when I go out uh, to a restaurant and go into the kitchen and talk to the cooking staff or uh, take a selfie with the waiters, or when I finish dinner and I head to the hospitals and see the nurses who are doing a four to 12, or if I take the subway station at two in the morning to see the workers who are doing the overnight shift, it is saying to people that my new, my mayor recognized me and not, does not treat me differently because I don't do banker's hours. That's not the city. This city's a 24 hour city and I want That's them right. to see their mayors out there with them as they run the city and keep it alive and thriving. That's such great advice. This next question is a, it's a pivot, but it's, I think this is one you can be really helpful with. From uh, Tony in Princess Bay. I'm a lousy public speaker, like really lousy. You both make it look easy to get in front of people and talk. Can you give some suggestions to someone who wants to get better at it? Thanks. Great question. First of all, I'm a lousy public speaker also. Uh, I'm socially awkward. I don't feel comfortable in front of crowds. Uh, so what do I do? I come prepared. By the time I stand up to give a speech, I said it over and over again in my head, and I made it my life story. And if you, anyone who has followed me, they'll notice that my speeches are based on my personal journey. And when you're saying your personal journey, you don't always have to write anything down because it's your story. It has already been written down in your memory and in your heart. And anyone that really listened closely uh, when I talk about homelessness, I'm talking about living on the verge of homelessness and living from relative to relative without a permanent bed. When I talk about learning disabilities, I talk about my dyslexia. Uh, that's not hard to or to try to figure out a speech about. When I talk about the mistakes I made in life, I expose myself to the criticism because I give those real life scenarios. So my advice to him is be authentic. And no matter what you do, build in your narrative and your story, and you'll see that you don't have to write everything down. Mr. Mayor, when you prepare, you don't memorize a speech, right? You sort of do you like sort of do the highlights or the bullet points for yourself and run through it in your head because I I've, I don't think I've ever seen you reading a piece of paper. <laughs> no, I do exactly that. Uh, you know, no matter what topic is, and I have to be blessed. I lived a full life. Um, there there have been good days and bad days, but each of, each one of them have been learning days. And it, the fullness of that life, it has given me an opportunity. Uh, to speak with people from personal experiences. And so even a young person that's starting, off, starting out, uh, if, if he or she is talking about how do you have a good comeback, talk about that broken heart. Talk about that first love you had uh, that broke your heart. Uh, talk about the dog uh, that you lost that you know uh, ran away from home. Uh, talk about losing your first job. Talk about the nervousness of getting your first job and how you felt and how you dropped the ball. You'll be surprised. I don't care if you're 13. There's a whole lot of life stories, stories inside even a 13-year-old. Just identify them and incorporate incorporate them into any conversation you have. I think that that advice to be to be personal and authentic goes a long way. I, I'd also say to Tony, I mean, the mayor has done it so many times. He's done it so many times, and you've had this added advantage, which is it's often in front of the camera, so you get to see how it went. 
I might suggest Tony or anyone who's trying to become a better public speaker, set up your iPhone, give your speech in front of the phone and turn around and watch it. Yes. Make some of your own notes. Try it yes. again. I've seen that like, you don't notice you touch your face all the time. You don't notice that you're pacing. You don't notice that you say, um, a thousand times until you watch it through somebody else's eyes. And I, for me personally, it's, it's helped to get a little bit better at that. Yes. And, and be, and uh, critique yourself, you know, right. you know, be honest and critique yourself. And perfection is not a humanistic characteristic. So if you find yourself perfect, then it's obvious you're not looking at the real you. Yeah, that's right. We got a quick commercial. Don't go anywhere. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Okay, I've got the next questions from Sanjay in Park Slope. New York is the most diverse city in the world, yet Mayor Adams is only the second mayor who's a person of color, and we still have yet to have a woman as mayor. What do you both see as the systemic issues causing this, and what should people and employers in the city do to lift up more diverse leaders? So important, and diversity is our most secret and potent weapon, and you learn so much from diverse environment. It's almost a Shakespearean tragedy when someone only knows individuals who look like them, talk like them, eat the same food, do the same things. Uh, You're just never growing. Growth is uh, leaning into healthy discomfort. And what I believe we need to do is each time we take a step, we should bring others with us. And so what does that look like? It looks like that when I became the mayor, I made sure we had the first a woman become the police commissioner, the first woman become the fire commissioner, 
uh, the second woman to become the chief of staff for a mayor, the first African-American woman to become uh, a first deputy mayor. Uh, so when you look around, you're seeing all these first, first Korean-American uh, to become the commissioner of small business services, the number of Muslims uh, that I have that are first. Uh, so, so many firsts that you're seeing, I'm bringing other people with me. So history should not be about me. History should be about everyone you bring with us. And then all of a sudden, we're no longer using first. We're using something called, this is just normal. It's just normal. Mr. Mayor, something I've also, you know, in our city, tech and finance are two of the biggest industries. And those are industries that have a tendency to lack diversity, especially in the leadership ranks. And one of the things I've noticed at, at work is, you know, if, you're, if there's a company where everybody looks alike, they have a tendency to be recruiting from the same schools. They have a tendency to be going after the same MBAs. They have referral programs. So you got a, you got a whole building full of people who look alike, and then you give them an extra bonus if they go find you somebody else from their circles. This, there's something that some companies get wrong in the pipeline that I know as a leader, I've, I've worked really hard on in trying to diversify that pipeline way upstream so that we see all the best talent not just the best talent that comes from the same, you know, the same few schools in the same few places. Well said, Mike. I could not have said it better. You know, I was talking to a group of corporate leaders and they were talking about recruitment. And I stated that everyone is not on LinkedIn. You know, sometimes you have to go off the beaten path to find a talent that is not on that path. Uh, you know how much talent we have in NYCHA public housing in this city? Young people who know how to put their their nose to the uh, the stone and just grind along. Uh, the talent is so deep, and if you are really aggressive enough to leave your place of comfort and lean into discomfort, you will be amazed at the talent that is out there. And that is what I believe we should do. And it, is, it makes you it makes you produce a better product, have a better company, hundred percent, and really get the type of ideas that you would have, uh, really have overlooked. All right. Next question is Lauren in Manhattan. I've been in corporate leadership for a number of years and am thinking ahead to the next chapter of my life. I feel like more women with my leadership experience should be in politics, but frankly, I have no idea where to start. After 30 years in the private sector, what do I do next? That's a great question. That is a, an authentic question. First thing to do is, if you have not, I'm going to just excuse me if I'm taking things for granted, uh, but the first thing to do is to sit down and get a real civic book. Read through all the levels of government and then make notes in the margin like I do of who's your congressperson, who's your U.S. senator, who's your state senator, who's your assembly person, your council person, your district leader. Then make a note of all of the political clubs in your community and start joining them and visiting them. Then visit your precinct council meeting, your community board meeting, your PTA meeting. Even if you don't have children, you can still hear what's going on in the school to get an understanding. And lastly, go volunteer in one of those offices. Sit down with them, be part of their committees, learn what they are doing, help them write their legislation if it's a, a lawmaker, or help them with some policy. And then you'll get a real taste. Do you really want to do it? You understand the frustrations, the difficulties, knowing that you always don't get what you want. 
Uh, there's a lot of compromise. And from there, you could then make up your mind what you'd like to run for office. And by working on someone's campaign, you could understand the challenges of running for office, raising money, having someone who's broken and in pain of yell at you or call you names. You need to really get the fullness of what being an elected official is like and not the believe glamour of it. I do want you to know, though, in the private sector, they call us names, too. We, we, that's an experience that's been shared. One thing, I'd love to hear your perspective on this, Mr. Mayor. I've also, I remember when I was in high school, we met our congressperson. And, I've, and it was like I just met Tom Brady. I was like, I can't believe we met a congressperson. And then I grew up and I got a job and I gave money to a couple of congresspeople. And now they won't stop calling me on my cell phone. So I've also found that a way to get involved politically can also be to open the checkbook for candidates that, that, that you admire and whose, whose campaigns you want to support. Would you agree with that? So, so, so true. Uh, and candidates really respect those who, who volunteer, help them out. They're volunteering in their community who contribute to campaigns because you're saying you support uh, the ideas. And it's, it's very expensive to run for office. I had yeah. to raise millions of dollars uh, to run for office. And you know, you have no idea where those dollars are coming from, uh, but people believe in your vision and your mission and they, you know, they step up and they assist you in accomplishing that. And one would ask, well, where does that money go? It goes to mailing, TV times, uh, it pays for sa- uh, staffers. Uh, it pays for literature. Uh, it's a very expensive endeavor to run for office. It helps to get the it helps to get the message out. Yes. I think you, I think you're going to like this next question. It's um, okay. DeAndre in New York City says, "Hi, Mike. I've heard your talks on stress management and resilience. Mayor Adams must have the most stressful job out of anyone. Can you guys talk about how you deal with the pressure?" And, and that's, that is an amazing question. And think about this for a moment, Mike. Where is that taught? Probably the most important skill all of us are going to have to acquire. Where does, you and I would probably do research, we'd do a TED talk, we may sit in a seminar somewhere, but what is the average person, what is the average American get the information they need to deal with what we all know we're going to face, and that's the stress of life. That is why I believe it should be taught in our educational institutions. We are going to introduce breathing exercises to our children, meditation, mindfulness, because our children are going to have to undergo so many changes in their lifetime they are no, they're not like uh, me, 22 years in the police department. They're lucky they're going to stay 22 days. Uh, you know, my son, after the third day, he said, Dad, I'm looking for my next job. You know, change is going to be a constant in their life. So we need to give them the tools they need, not only to be academically smart, but emotionally intelligent. We need to teach them how to eat right, how to sleep right, how to deal with the inner tools that they need. We focus so much on external tools, but it's time for us to look inward and give people the internal, the internal tools uh, that they need instead of the external tools. We think it should be done in schools. 
We think it should be done in professional environments, and we think it should be done in our colleges and other places. Everyone should incorporate mental uh, tools to help them do, to deal with the stress that they're facing in life. And I know it's something that uh, my employees, and I hear this from a lot of other CEOs, since COVID, it just feels like there's some other challenge every other week right. as a professional. And this, and, and there was a phase where everyone was like, I'm burned out. And they were saying to their employer, what are you going to do about the fact that I'm burned out? And I'm finding now that employees are turning that back around and they're saying to themselves, this, I think this is a professional survival skill. What am I going to do yes. to not yeah. burn out? Now, do you have any tricks? I know you've got a great book on plant-based diets. You yes. seem to be fit. You don't seem to sleep. What are your like? <laughs> what are the few things that you recommend for staying sharp and you know maintaining that right those right uh, those right attitudes? If I could just give people one item that I would say the most important thing is food. Food. Uh, I start my day with a green smoothie after I exercise and meditate and say my prayers. I do a green smoothie. It's a great way to start the day some spinach, kale, bok choy, uh, blueberries. Uh, you know, I start the day right. If you start the day putting the right food in your body, you will have a good day and the level of energy you need to get through your day. Your body's like a machine. You would not put water in your BMW, so you should not put bad food in your B-O-D-Y. It's really terrific advice. Mr. Mayor, we're almost out of time. Is there anything you want to leave us with? Anything you wish we had asked or any final words of wisdom? Uh, no, not at all. Uh, great speaking with you. I look forward to speaking with you. Uh, some more uh, people enjoy you know, your, 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 your show as you're going to kick off. They enjoy you as a person. Uh, you, have, you have great energy and I look forward to your show expanding, growing, and just have a lot of fun. If I could tell people one thing, uh, you know, you don't climb to the top of the mountain and complain about the view. Enjoy every moment of it. I wake up every day and no matter how difficult the day is, I say, you know, damn it, I'm the mayor of New York City. I don't have the right to complain about anything. <laughs> Wonderful. Mr. Mayor, thank you for your service and, and thank you for coming here today. This has been really special. Thank you. Take care. Friends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Mayor Eric Adams as much as I did. You know, as I reflect on it, I have a takeaway that may or may not have come through directly from all of your questions today, but Mayor Adams really loves the people he serves in this city. And man, he seems to love being mayor. Did you get that sense? Like he really gets energy from being out there, pressing the flesh and being a politician and running the city that he grew up in. It's really cool. And uh, you know, if I was gonna take one extra lesson from today's conversation, find, find that thing for yourself. Find that thing that gives you that level of energy and excitement and gratitude in your work every day. You know what, friends? You deserve to love what you're doing too. So don't forget where to find me online, at Mike Stibe on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, etc. But more importantly, we love getting your questions. Your questions are what drive the show forward. Call us anytime and leave your question in the voicemail at 1-213-419-0596. That's US number 
419-0596. If you call and leave a question, my next guest and I will answer it. Can't wait to hear from you. Thanks, everybody. I want to thank Mayor Adams and his team coming on today. I want to thank the mayor for his service and all of his amazing insights. And of course, I always want to thank Jen, Meg, Jada, Matt, and the team at Blue Duck Media for pulling this all together. Dylan and Christopher at iHeart and Ben and the team at William Morris Endeavor for all their support. Office Hours is a production of Blue Duck Media and distributed by iHeartRadio. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.